man, it's good to be with you, Beltway Park North Campus, South Campus Online. And yes, I have a problem with how we gave out the grill. Come on, all you old dads are saying, those young guys have no idea what that. Us old guys, we put in the time, right? It should have been the oldest dad who got that, amen? Hey, old dads, just do this. Just go buy you a grill, okay? I give you permission right now. Just look at your wife and say, there it is. Word from the Lord for me right now. Get your grill. We're going to do it. Happy Father's Day to each of you. Man, I love having men of God who will bring their families, invest in their families in what the Lord is doing. We exist as a church for a simple reason. We want to help each other take our next step with Jesus. Because I'm telling you, as we walk with Jesus, we find life. And he puts something inside of us that overflows from our life to others, and we live to bless the world. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but I have a handful of movies I have every intention of watching with my grandkids. I'm going to make them watch me, watch them with me, even if they're old movies, I don't care, um, because if they want me to keep being Mac in the way that provides for them a lot of stuff that their parents won't buy them, then they're going to watch the movies with me, right? One of those movies for me, I don't know if what yours would be, one of those movies for me is actually Rudy. Rudy's a great movie. If you have not seen Rudy like three times, you just need to turn in your American citizenship. It's not right. It is a credible movie. Rudy Rudiger, uh, based on his life story, is this small, not very athletic young man who desired, say desire. Let that word sink in. He desired one thing. He wanted to suit up as part of the Notre Dame football team and run out of the famous tunnel onto the field. I'd get rid of all of them. John, if they can't protect themselves, I don't want them on this field. You keep the bell over his jersey. Rudiger? Yeah. Are, are you, have you been watching? No athletic skills. That boy's... He's put more effort than eight two guys we got on the team. You fellas decide. decide. You fellas decide. Not in my oh, defensive oh. backfield. You want him, you got him. Hey, 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 hey. What you doing here? Don't you have practice? Not anymore. I quit. Oh. Well, since when are you the quitting kind? I don't know. I just don't see the point anymore. So you didn't make the dress list. There are greater tragedies in the world. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. To prove to everyone prove that I worked... what? That I was somebody. Oh, you are so full of crap. You're five feet nothing. A hundred and nothing. And you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in with the best college football team in the land for two years. 
And you're also going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. And after what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't going to never happen. Now go on back. Sorry, I never got you to see your first game in here. Well, I've seen too many games in this stadium. I thought you said you never saw a I've game. I've never though. seen a game from the stands. You were a player? I rode the bench for two years. Thought I wasn't being played because of my color. I got filled up with a lot of attitude, so I quit. Still not a week goes by, I don't regret it. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life, you won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. I've been ready for this my whole life. Then you take us out on the field. And now you're disappointed I'm not showing you the rest of the movie, right? Now you go home tonight, all you youngins, get with your dad and watch Rudy, okay? Now let's be honest. Probably the idea of suiting up with the Notre Dame football team, running down the field, doesn't seem like that great of ambition to us. It doesn't seem that noble and things such as that. But you have to admit, he had an ambition and he desired that ambition. You have in your mind the idea of desire. And so when the scripture implores us, listen to me, it doesn't suggest, it doesn't say, hey, it might be a nice idea if, it directs us, pursue love and earnestly desire. Say earnestly desire. You now have an image in your mind that we are earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts. Over the past few weeks, if you've been around, we have been looking at some passages when the scripture talks about spiritual gifts, these grace-imparted abilities God places inside of us to be used for his glory, to help other people. And what you're gonna find is the language surrounding the idea of spiritual gift is really heightened. Like it says now about spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So interestingly, everything in the Bible is important. Everything in the Bible is something we should know, yet the Bible itself highlights that there is something that we're not to be ignorant of. It tells us how important it is. And then it says, I will show you now the most excellent way. Everything in the Bible is excellent. Everything in the Bible is awesome, but there are some things that are more excellent even in the scripture than other things. If you happen to miss the last three weeks, I think it'd be a great investment of your time to catch up on the messages 
and you can listen at the Beltway app or um, our Beltway website, and you'll be able to catch up there now. But then in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Paul uses yet another extreme phrase, really wanting us to pay attention. Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Notice it's not an either or, it's a both and. In fact, I would tell you they're connected, that we actually pursue love by earnestly desiring spiritual gifts. I want you to think about it. Spiritual gifts being used by Jesus followers are the primary way that God shows grace to the world. How many of you, honesty time, how many of you need more of God's grace in your life? Hands up. Put them up, don't be afraid. We all need more of God's grace, right? If you said, yeah, I need more of God's grace in your life, then you ought to pray that everyone else in this room, everyone else at our North Campus, everyone online, that we are pursuing spiritual gifts because the way God's gonna show his grace to you is primarily through other people, primarily through people using their gifts. And then you add to it, come on. The world as we know it right now more than ever needs God's grace. And the way he's gonna do that is through us. That is why we are to pursue love and to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Another passage in the New Testament begins to unpack for us how to do this. Romans, the 12th chapter, Paul says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So this is Paul's lead-in statement about spiritual gifts when he's talking to the church in Rome. And the reason he says this, let's be honest, there are some spiritual gifts that seem more spiritual. They seem more significant than other spiritual gifts. So on the front of the Park News, um, if you're online, we'll shoot a link to you this. On the front of the Park News, there's actually a QR code. That QR code is going to take you to a spiritual gifts assessment. We'll talk about it in a moment. In that spiritual gifts assessment, it talks about 22 different spiritual gifts. Now, the number of spiritual gifts talked about in the scripture is actually debated uh, among teachers and scholars and the like, somewhere between 22 and 25. I actually think there's probably 23, 24, 25. I think it lends towards the 25 number. Like, I think 1 Corinthians 13 talks about a spiritual gift of giving your life up for the sake of Christ. It's called martyrdom. But let's be honest, that's like a one and done gift, right? You're not gonna need to take an assessment of that gift if you utilize that gift. I, I get why it's not on here. So for now, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna look at the 22 spiritual gifts. These are the ones listed in all the lists in the New Testament. You have administration and apostleship. Which one of those seems more spiritual? Don't answer. You know what you're thinking. You have craftsmanship, discernment of spirits, evangelism and exhortation, faith, giving, healing, and helps. Just compare healing and helps. And think, which one seems more significant, more divine? Hospitality, intercession, leadership, words of knowledge, mercy, miracles, pastor, shepherd. Which one seems to be more of God? Seems to be more spiritually intense. Prophecy, tongues and interpretation, words of wisdom, service and teaching, and you see the comparison between prophecy and service, and you get the reality of what I'm talking about. Paul knows that there's this tendency that if we have certain gifts that in human minds seem more significant, more divine, more spiritual, then we can lend ourselves towards a place of pride. And he's saying, don't do that. 
In no way can we let that happen. And if we don't have one of those gifts, if we have one of the more normative gifts in our minds, like a gift of service, we can tend to minimize how important that is. Throughout the New Testament, we hear something shouted. Listen to me. Every gift is supernatural. Every gift is significant. Whatever gift we might have, we don't have room for pride because we didn't do it ourselves anyway. It was given to us by the grace of God. God chooses who receives what gift, and he empowers people by grace with that gift. No matter who we are, we should be immensely humbled about ourselves, but we need to be honoring about what God wants to do in the lives of others. For as in one body, he goes on to say, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So our finger doesn't do what our eye does. Our toe doesn't do what our knee does. We get that. He says the same thing is true in the church. So we, though many, are one body. Somebody say one. We are one body, and individually we are members, and we have a part to play. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us what? Use them. Guys, this is radical. You ready? We eagerly desire spiritual gifts by actually using the gifts that we have. God designed you and I to be a part of what he's doing in the world. It has always been that way. You go back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are living in the Garden of Eden. Before sin comes in and mars the beauty of everything God creation, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To work it and to keep it. See, it seems like we have this idea that we think the Garden of Eden was one long big beach vacation before sin came along, that Adam and Eve were doing nothing but lounging around and being served by the angels that were coming around. No, they were working, they were keeping the garden and such. Adam and Eve were designed, you were designed, to be a part of what God is doing in the world. That's the beginning. If you go to the end, think of heaven. I've had a lot of people tell me, I don't wanna go to heaven. Like, Why wouldn't you wanna go to heaven? It's like, well, who would want to like, get a set of wings, lay on a cloud, and play a harp forever? I, I love what C.S. Lewis sarcastically says about this. He says, there's no need to be worried by facetious people who try to make the Christian hope of heaven ridiculous by saying they do not want to spend eternity playing harps. The answer to such people is if they cannot understand books written for grown-ups, they should not talk about them. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that people can't imagine an eternity void of responsibility. Why? We were designed to matter. We were designed for our lives to make the difference. So in the book of Revelation, the angels are given praise to Jesus for what he has done. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll to open the seals for you were slain. And by your blood you have ransomed people for God, for every tribe, language, and people, and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Now I don't know the totality of what it means to reign on the earth, but I know this. We are gonna be a part of what God is doing in the new heavens and the new earth. That is the way we were designed. Listen to me. We are designed to partner with God in what he is doing in the world. That is why we are to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts because the primary way you're gonna partner with what God is doing in the world is through the spiritual gifts he has sovereignly placed in your life. Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave so that you and I could be free. 
You know what it means to be free? Free in the Bible is not to do what I want to do. You can do that without Jesus. God gives you that choice. Free in the Bible? Live the way he designed us to live. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And the scripture says that much of the good works that we are going to do are going to be tied to the gift or the gifts that he has sovereignly placed within us. We eagerly desire the spiritual gifts by using the gifts that he has placed within us. And so you might be thinking, well, how in the world do I do this? How do I pursue love? How do I know my gifts? How do I use them? I'm going to give you an image. You can write it down on your notes. You ready? Just three circles and where they overlap. Number one is ability. So a spiritual gift bestows an unusual effectiveness in an area that we all live as followers of Jesus. Like, we're all called to serve. But those who have the gift of service have a greater ability, have a greater desire to serve, have, a, have a, a greater effectiveness in that. We are all called to hear God. We talked about it last week. But those with the gift of prophecy hear him more often. They hear him more clearly. On and on we can go in that. The abilities that I'm talking about is where do you have the unusual effectiveness? The spiritual gift assessment I told you about earlier is a place that points you to some of those abilities. But we don't end in our thoughts there. The next step is affirmation. What does that mean? There's going to be people in your community that affirm to you that what you think your gifts are your gifts. So we have people who, if we listen to them, will tell us this is the way that God is using you in our lives. You see, sometimes if we're not careful, we can mistake a desire for an ability for having the ability. Now, side note here. Let's say I, I don't have a spiritual gift. Can I ask God for that spiritual gift? Do this. Yes, you can do that. Does that mean God's gonna give you that gift? Do this. No, you can ask. It doesn't mean he's going to, but he might. That's one of the ways we desire spiritual gifts. You say, what spiritual gifts should I desire? If I were you, I would look around the body of Christ and if you see things that we should be doing as a church that we're not doing near as well as we should, ask for that gift. Ask for what we need in our life and ask God to use it in your life. But just because I think I have an ability doesn't mean I have that ability. There are people who need to affirm that in our lives. We can mistake a desire for the actuality of having. Great example. How many of you have heard of the TV show American Idol? Hands up. How many of you, no matter what question I'm going to ask, you're not going to raise your hand today? Because I know you've heard of American Idol. American Idol created a whole genre of TV shows, these talent competitions like The Voice and America Got Talent. And a part of every one of these shows is having segments where they put somebody on national television who believe they have an ability, but the entire world knows that they do not. My question is this. When somebody thinks they have an ability like that, I'm watching them on national television and I'm asking the question, where are their friends? <laughs> and why aren't their friends telling them they don't have that? And then I think, maybe they have friends and they ain't listening to their friends. And all the friends said, I mean, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Listen to me. The affirmation of our community makes sure that what we think we have, we have. So you say, what should I do? Here's what I would do. I would take a spiritual gift assessment if you don't have an idea of where to serve and what to do. And then I'd get those closest to me and say, do you see this? Does this seem to bring true of me? And then I look at where I have an affinity. 
Another word you can put up there is the word passion. There's just a desire to make a difference in an area. I know people who can see what God wants to do in the life of a child, and they have this long-term vision for what God wants to impart, and they can just sow week after week after week into the life of a child. They have the patience, they have the grace, they have the passion to see what God wants to do in the life of children. Others want to do it in youth. Others want to run into prisons and help those who are incarcerated. Others want to help those who are economically disadvantaged, while others, man, I want to serve people who are in the midst of a crisis pregnancy. And what happens is when you can find the overlap between the ability that's been affirmed by some friends and you have a passion for that, that's where you want to use your gift. That's where you regularly want to serve. Listen to me. One of the reasons we exist as a church, we exist to show the grace of God to as many people as we can. We want the grace of God to go throughout the big country from our church. This happens as we have men and women by the thousands who are doing this. What would it look like? dream for a second. What would it look like if we had multiple thousands who were using a God-given ability affirmed by the community in an area that God has placed in them passionately to show the grace of God and that would happen thousands of times over what a difference it would make in our community. That's what we as a church want to do. And the role of church leadership is to facilitate this reality. For it was God who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, others to be teachers. Why, you think? Well, I know you're thinking, well, if you've got the gift of being an apostle, you should apostle. If you've got the gift of a prophet, you should prophesy. If you have the gift of evangelist, you should evangelize. If you have the gift of a pastor, you should shepherd people. But it's interesting, these roles of leadership, God gave to some not just to do things, but he actually gave them to what? Equip God's people for works of service. You remember the phrase? For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The job of church leadership isn't to do ministry, but to facilitate what he has sovereignly put in the thousands among us. So when somebody is being called to be in a role of leadership in our church, a pastoral role on our staff. I'm the last person they talk to. They get to see me. And I look at them and I often say, why do you want to do what it is you're doing? I just want to do ministry. I said, you want to do ministry? Yeah. I said, you're not going to get to do ministry. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, what do you mean I'm not going to get to do ministry? I'm going to come work for a church. I'm going to do ministry. I said, your job is not to do ministry. Your job is to find thousands. And you are to equip what God has placed within them, help them use the gifts that God has given them, and we want to release an army. An army of people who are showing the grace of God to the world. Listen to me. We cannot fulfill the God call God has on us as a church without each of us using the gifts he has placed within us. I am asking you, listen to me, would you consider what God has placed within you and begin to use it? I want you to hear, if you've never heard it, we need you. In fact, I'd go so far as to say we need you now as much as we've ever needed. Let me explain. Back in April, God gave me the grace to start my 25th year of serving as lead pastor here. I'd ask you how many were not born when I became the lead pastor, but that would depress me if you raise your hand, so I'm not gonna do it. 
I've seen God be a part of so many things and do so many things through the people of God at Beltway Park, more than I ever dreamed. And here's what I'm confident of. What's gonna happen in the next 25 years will make what's happened in the past 25 years pale in comparison because it's gonna be so much greater. And some of you are thinking, you expect to live a long time, old man, to be a part of that. I don't. I do expect to live a long time, but I don't expect to be the leader when the greater things happen. I really believe the next generation, we will see greater things of the Lord from the next generation than we see in this next generation. I fully expect it, but I don't expect that to happen without challenge. There are going to be obstacles that we have to overcome. We are actually in a season of obstacles. I don't know if y'all know it or not, but we went through a thing called a pandemic. And through this thing called the pandemic that may be finished or it may still be going on, depending on what news source you're watching, um, there are some things that have happened. I really believe God wants to use it for our good. I was reading this morning, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, that God will shake everything that can be shaken so that which alone is unshakable will remain. Now, if I'd ask you in February of 2020 if you wanted only the unshakable facets of the kingdom of God, we would all go, yeah. If I'd said, do you want to walk through the pandemic of the last two years so that God could shake out everything that can be shaken so only that which is unshakable will remain, we would have went, but that's what he's been doing. I've been shaking, you've been shaking. There's a lot of good things that have happened and he's been stirring some things, but there have been some struggles. One of the struggles, believe it or not, that has happened nationwide is people have pulled back from serving. It is a nationwide issue. Every church, every Christian ministry that I talk to, every nonprofit has seen a reduction in what you might call volunteerism. That's actually true here at Beltway Park. I want you to listen to me. We're not in a crisis, but we have a challenge. We've been working on this challenge literally since we reopened our doors in May of 2020. As far as I can remember in my 24 plus years here at Beltwood Park, I've never stood up here and told you we need you based upon a lack in something. But I'm telling you now, we are thin when it comes to our serve team. Now, I know there's a lot of you that are on our serve teams right now. Man, you are leading life groups. You're in our children's ministry. You're in our youth ministry. You're doing incredible things. Thank you. What God do, is doing is phenomenal. But I am telling you, there is a time where we need an increase on those teams. So I think sometimes what happens is this. You can come around Beltway Park and you can hear the stories of what God's doing and all the things that are happening. You can think, they don't need me. There's so many things happening and there are people that are more gifted than I am, they're more seasoned than I am, they're more experienced than I am, and I'm just gonna let them do the things because they're better at it than I would be. They don't need me. If you are thinking that, let me shatter your illusion. You are needed. Not just in the general sense that God... Um, if we use as all of us, we can extend what he is doing. I'm saying in this season, with the thinness of our serve teams, I am asking you, would you consider becoming part of our serve teams? I'm asking you, would you dare take a step? So if you're at one of our physical campuses, north and south, this is what's going to happen. When you leave, there are tables out there. There are two kinds of tables. One is that Father's Day table where you get that great steak rub. See, I know men are supposed to know how to cook. I am a terrible cook. I don't, so I'm gonna take the steak rub, I'm gonna follow it, I'm gonna try to cook me a good steak, and if that doesn't work, I'm gonna get the owner of the shed, and he's gonna come over and give me a private lesson on how to cook a steak. So get that, every, but there's also some tables out there in the four areas that we need the most additions to our serve team. 
it probably doesn't shock you, but three of those areas are in our next generation ministries. It takes a lot of people to minister to preschool, elementary age, and youth. And you're needed. And so if you're willing to talk to somebody, I'm just asking you to go to one of those tables, South Campus, North and South Foyer, North Campus in the Foyer. I'm asking you to at least say, I'm willing to talk what that might look like. If you kind of have a leading, a stirring in that, let's see what that happens. If you say, man, don't put me near a kid. You don't want me working with your kids. I understand that. I'd be one of you. There are other ways to serve. You can see on the bottom of the there's beltway.org slash serve, and there's just going to be a little sign-up sheet. You fill that out. Say, somebody talk to me, and here's some areas I'd be interested in serving in. We could use you. And let me implore you. Some of you are thinking right now, I, I, I don't even know where to I, I've never done this before. I don't know where to start. Don't let the lack of experience keep you from taking a step of faith right now. The Scripture says, having gifts that differ according to the grace of God given to you, let us what? Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. Question, what does it mean to do something in proportion to your faith? It means to start where you are and expect to grow. You can't grow if you never start. Everyone always has to take a first step. So your measure of faith might be small because you have little experience. That's okay. Use it in proportion to your faith and expect it to grow. About a decade after I came to Beltway, I think it was about then, the church that I came from in Lubbock asked me to come back and preach one weekend. And I preached, and I thought it was a good message, a good weekend, stuff like that. And then afterwards, a lady I really respected, I worked with her um, for the whole nine years I was on staff at that church, she came up. And for five minutes, she just was over the top in compliments of how much I had grown, how much I had matured, how anointed I had become. And she would just repeat it over and over again about how much I'd grown, how much I'd matured, how strong the anointing had become. And she hugged me and said, I'm so proud of it. And she left. And you know what I thought when she left? She must have thought I stunk when I preached back here a decade ago. And really for a, about a week, I wrestled with that. I thought, man, I mean, yeah, sure, but... I didn't think I was that bad back then. I mean, I know I was young and I know that, but I thought there were some pretty good sermons. I went back and looked at sermons that I'd preached in Lubbock when I was a younger guy. I thought, that preaches, man. That's good. She just had a hard heart. Um, she just had issues in her life. And after about a week, I did what I should have done the moment I started to struggle. I prayed. And I felt like the Lord shared something with me. He just Often, God asks questions. Have you noticed that? They're always rhetorical, by the way. And I felt like the Spirit of God asked, did you not expect to grow in your gift the more you used it? She wasn't affirming lack when you were way back then. She was affirming growth, which you should expect. You should have expected your proportion of faith to grow as you used your gift. You start, and you grow, and you grow, and you grow, and one day you'll look back, and you will still be amazed at what God has done through your life, because it's him doing it, and not you. The way you grow in your gift is to use your gift, which means you start using your gift where you 
are. And in doing that, you get to help fulfill your design. To partner with what the Almighty is doing in the world. So I implore you, church, hear the word of the Lord, pursue love, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Both campuses, online family, come on right here, right now. Would you just say yes to the command of the Lord? The commands of the Lord are for our good, every one of them. And he said, pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So are you desiring? Pure and simple. Would you say yes to that reality? You say, Dad, I, I don't know that I know what my gifts are. Then you begin to ask God to reveal that to you. Take the spiritual gift assessment. Talk to those that are closest to you. Get it affirmed. Ask God, man, where do I really want to make a difference? And take a step. Take a step of faith. Come on. The world needs what God has placed in you. I'm not being exaggerative. I am basing everything I say on the absolute word of God. I am utterly confident this is what the scripture teaches. The world needs what God has placed within you. And I'm asking for you to have faith to step out and to believe God would do that. Pure and simple. Would you say yes to the Lord right now? Whatever you place in me, Lord, I want you, I want you to use it. I want you to show me where. I think there's some of us that we're using our gifts that have backed away from it. And you need to say yes to start using them again. Some of us have never taken the step. You need to say yes. It may be in one of the areas that you can just talk about today at one of our tables. It may be in another area that you sign up. I'm just telling you, you're needed. The amount of grace God wants to show through this church, I'm telling you, I can feel it, is beyond what we can imagine. Each one of us does our part, you'd be surprised what God can do. So I'm gonna ask you to take a, a radical step here. If you would say yes to God, say, God, I wanna know what my gift are, and I want you to show me how to use it. You don't, may know nothing more than that, but if you're willing to say yes to God, that you wanna pursue love by eagerly desiring spiritual gifts, put your hand up right now and say, God, I say yes, amen, I'm proud of you. Me too, I don't wanna be done. So I ask over your men and women, I just bless this desire, Lord. Show us what you've placed within us and show us how to use it and let us take steps of faith. I pray against any obstacle. I pray that you would make time and you show us how to make time. I pray against things of our past that we would think would disqualify us. The blood of Jesus has overcome that. I pray against the idea of age. We're never too old to be used of you and nor are we ever too young. So whatever might be standing in our way, God, I ask that you'd begin showing us the way we are to use us. Show us how you want us to be partnered with you in the world. I bless you in that. In Jesus' name, amen.